officially are due today. There's a mailbox at the go table. If you have written cards to them, um, you get a couple of extra days, Grace. So if the next two or three days you want to drop those by the office, but but we need them as quickly as possible so we can go ahead and sort those and get those ready. We have less than two weeks before our Alaska team leaves, and I want to thank everyone who has written them a note uh, and turned those in. Uh, many of you saw the signs on Solly Road. Um, there's going to be a closure beginning in two days from now down where the bridge is. And so for those of you who live or come from this direction to get to worship, just be aware of that. Factor in some extra time uh, to be able to go around. But we hope you'll still uh, be with us each week. Just add that extra time in. Discovery Camp begins tomorrow. So this is our children's ministry. We're so excited. I believe there's almost 100 kids that are pre-registered to be here. Not only uh, kids from our church, but many children from our community are going to be here hearing about the Lord Jesus. So please be in prayer for our children's ministry, all the workers that are going to be serving this week. The children will be on campus for multiple hours every day, Monday through Friday. Uh, We'll be praying for them. And then... We have announced our summer community groups. There are four sign-ups in the lobby today, the homes that have agreed to host on Wednesday nights in July when uh, we're going to be doing a little something different on Wednesday nights. So if you would like to meet some new people, somebody that's not in your life group, not that doesn't sit right next to you, this is a great opportunity for you to sign up. There's come uh, to the lobby. We can explain more. But five Wednesday nights, we're just going to gather in a home and either share some food and some fellowship, talk about the Sunday message, and just get to know one another. If you have questions about that, I will be in the lobby when we're done. Let me pray and we'll begin this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in this place. Lord, we ask that you would be glorified as we worship you in song. Lord, as we worship you with our lives, as we worship as we hear your word, Lord, today is Father's Day, but you are our Heavenly Father, and you love each one in this room more than we can fathom, and today we want to make much about you. In the precious name of your Son, we pray, amen. In church, y'all stand and worship with us this morning as we sing on this Father's Day morning about our Heavenly Father who has given us victory through His Son, Jesus. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How He saved His life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about His throne
give God a hand clap of praise this morning as we continue to worship we continue to sing about how great our heavenly father is in this glorious day that we have I was buried beneath my shame who could carry that kind of weight it was mine too Till I met you I was breathing but not alive All my failures I tried to hide It was my tomb Till I met you You called my name and I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day You called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day save my soul now your freedom is all that I know the old man knew Jesus when I met you you called my name and I ran out of that grave out of My sin was heavy, the chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan, and now you call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing, now your love is the air that I'm breathing. I have a future, my eyes are open, cause when you call my name, You call my name 
It's great to have Josh as our, our summer in, intern. If you believe that, say amen. And it's great to have our students up here with us today for what we're calling a Better Together Sunday. We believe that if you are in Christ, that you are called to be a worship leader, to set up meetings between God and man, and He's going to do the work. Amen? We have one God and one Father, one Savior, that is Jesus Christ. And He is the one that has saved us gloriously from a place that we could never come out of, that, that pit of sin and of death. But He has raised us to life. Amen? And that's what this song says. It's a new song. Catch on to it. You'll love it. This is our God. Remember those walls that we call sin and shame. And they were like prisons that we couldn't escape. But He came and He died and He rose. Those walls are rubble now. Remember those giants we call death and grave They were like mountains that stood in our way But He came and He died and He rose Those giants are dead now This is our God, this is who He is He loves us what he does, he saves us. Bore the cross, beat the grave, let heaven and earth proclaim. This is our God, King Jesus. Remember that fear that took our breath away. Faith so weak that we those altars in the wilderness tell the story of his faithfulness never once did he fail and he never will this is our God this is who he is he loves us this is our God this is what he does he saves us Nobody but Jesus Who rescued me from that grave Yahweh, Yahweh Who gets the glory and praise Nobody but Jesus Who rescued me from that grave Yahweh, Yahweh Who gets the glory and praise Nobody but Him This is our God This is who He is 
Y'all may be seated as we continue to worship this morning. As we continue to talk about how great our Heavenly Father is. Let's sing, How Great Is Our God This Morning. The splendor of the King Clothed in majesty Let all the earth rejoice All the earth rejoice He wraps himself in Darkness tries to hide and trembles at his voice and trembles at his voice and how great is our God sing with me how great is our God and oh we'll see how great how great
Father, we come to you this morning, God, and we thank you for all that you've done for us and all that you will do for us. God, on a day like today when we celebrate fathers, God, you are the, the most high heavenly father, the one that we can run to in any time of need. God, I pray that we look to your son for an example to live our lives. God, we thank you. We love you. 
And we thank you for this time of worship through song that you've given us. I pray for Brother David as he comes out and brings the word. God, I pray that you speak through him. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, Josh and I have been planning uh, services over his internship. And we looked at today and we said, what a great example of the body of Christ to sing an all new song. Uh, this is our God, but also to sing how great is our God and uh, the song that we will sing now, Unto the Lamb. It's all about Jesus, amen? And it doesn't matter what age you are or where you come from, if you are in Christ, you are a part of us. And we have one goal, and that is to lift his name up and lift his name high until that day that we do see him coming on the clouds. He will make all things new, and we will live with him forever.
Amen. Well, Brother Aaron, I think I'm going to join the choir. I don't know how I'll fit it into the schedule, but I'm going to do it. Wow, man, an incredible, incredible day as Josh is leading us and We've had the privilege of having Josh at our house over this past month and, and next month and getting to know him even more. And he has a heart to serve the Lord. And then to see all the students up here, uh, man, let's just let our students know how thankful we are. Today is Father's Day. And for some of us, this is a wonderful day. For some, it's very difficult. As the idea of or the thought of Father can bring many different emotions to us. But I want you to hear whether you had the most amazing Father that you could ever think of or whether your, your Father uh, wasn't there. I want you to know that no Father can even come close to our Heavenly Father. Amen. And we must recognize, we must recognize that oftentimes we think of our heavenly father in terms of our earthly father. Church, it's time for us to recognize that our heavenly father, he's holy. He's perfect. Think of the most perfect father that you could ever have and multiply that by infinity and then you will hit where God truly is. And so today, as we look at this challenge that Joshua gives the nation of Israel, I want us to see that, that this is a challenge for each of us individually and fathers for us as well. You know, I'll never forget the moment that I was told that I'm going to be a father. I was excited. I was scared. I was joyful. I was nervous. I had so many emotions that went through my mind, and through my heart. But I will tell you that I cannot express the incredible joy and responsibility that God has given us as fathers to lead. And so as we look in Joshua 24, we're going to see this, this call to the nation and also a specific call to fathers. In verse 14, it says this, and I'm going to read till verse 28. It says this, Now therefore, fear the Lord, and serve Him in sincerity and truth. Put away the little g-gods, which your father served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourself today whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, the gods of the Amorites in which the land you are living, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, and who did these great signs in our sight, and uh, preserved us through all the way in which we went, and among all the peoples through whom midst we passed. 
The Lord drove us out from before us all. The Lord drove out from before all the peoples, even the Amorites who lived in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Then Joshua said to the people, you will not be able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions of your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done good to you. The people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen for yourself the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Now, therefore, put away the foreign gods which are in your midst and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and we will obey his voice. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statue and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and he took a large stone and he set it up there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be for a witness against you, for it has heard all the words of the Lord which he has spoken to us. Thus it shall be for a witness against you, so that you do not deny your God. Then Joshua dismissed the people, each to his inheritance. Let's pray. Father, we are desperately dependent on you today. And Father, I am dependent on you to open my mouth to proclaim your truth. And now, Father, I pray that you would speak today, that your word would go forth, that the Holy Spirit would illuminate the pages and that we would walk in obedience of your truth. Uh, Father, I pray for all of the fathers in this room, Lord, that we would lead our family according to your truth. Uh, Father, we want nothing more than for you to be glorified in this place. May we not take a moment of your glory. As the song said, all praise and honor to the Lamb. So, Father, we praise your holy name this morning. It's in your precious holy name, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. Well, we are going to look at this challenge of Joshua. The first thing I want us to see in this passage is the call. He gives a call. There's three parts to this call that he gives. First, he says that we are called to fear the Lord. Look at what it says back in the scripture. It says, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. Now when I was a child, I used to hear this terminology, fear the Lord. And I took that as the emotion of fear. And so I would think about how big God is. And I would think about the fact that, that, that if I did one thing wrong, he would be so mad at me. And I'm here to tell you that... This is not what God is speaking here. For some of us, we may have that kind of view of God. We think that, that God's just sitting up there waiting for us to mess up so that he can come against us. But may I remind you that God created you and he loves you. He loves you so much that the scripture says that he demonstrated his love by sending his own son to die on the cross for you. 
Uh, See, this word fear in the Hebrew here actually means to regard with feeling of respect or reverence. Consider hallowed or exalted or be in awe of. You know, I like to put things in simple terms because I'm pretty simple-minded. But I like to think of the fear of God is to recognize who He is and who I'm not. I like to look at this idea of the fear of God being recognizing who God truly is and who I'm not or, or who I am in comparison to who He truly is. He's God. I am not. He's creator. I'm created. He's holy. I'm a sinner. He's sovereign. I'm not. We could go on and on and on. I think that the fear or reverence of God is best seen in Scripture, in the response of people in the presence of God. Think about Moses as he saw the burning bush and he goes up onto that mountainside. And what does he do? He takes his sandals off because he's on what? Holy ground. What about the nation of Israel when they get back to Mount Sinai? They can't even go onto the mountain because of the holiness of God. What about the Ark of the Covenant? It was not even to be touched as it was being as it was traveling. Why? Because God is so holy. What about the Holy of Holies? Only once a year, the high priest, after going through cleansing, could go into the Holy of Holies. Church, I think that we can see that God is holy. And we need to be in awe of who He is. You know, I always tell people that we get overwhelmed by our circumstances, but really we need to get overwhelmed by the holiness of God. When we get overwhelmed by the holiness of God and who He is, our circumstances will take a very small back seat. Uh, Church, there's two scriptures that I just love that show us the fear of God, the reverence and the holiness of who He is. Isaiah 6 Think about when Isaiah comes in and he, and he sees the Lord. It says this in verse 1 through 5. It says, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne lofty and exalted with the train of his robe, feeling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out why the temple was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You want to know what it means to truly fear the Lord? It's the response that Isaiah gave. Woe is me. I have seen how holy the Lord is. I have fallen on my face because I am not worthy to be in his presence. What about Exodus 20? 18 through 21, all the people, this is right after the law was given, all the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. And then they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but let not God speak to us or we will die. 
Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you, and in order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not sin. The people stood at a distance while Moses approached the thick cloud where God was. Church, Joshua calls on the nation of Israel to fear the Lord. Do you fear the Lord today? Do you have reverence? Do you recognize his holiness? Do you recognize that he's set apart? Do you recognize who we are in view of his holiness? Do we fall on our face before him on our knees in honor and reverence? Or do you go about your day thinking you got this? So busy that you forget of God and his holiness. Church, I'm here to tell you that our nation needs the fear of the Lord to return. But can I tell you, how will this happen? When they see His holiness, when they see how holy He truly is, and let me just tell you, who is called to reflect His image and character? The church. Those who are born again. Those who have been set free. Those who have fallen on their face before the holiness of God. And so when we say the nation needs to see the holiness of God, the fear of God needs to return to this nation. It must start by us as the church falling on our face before the holiness of God. Not only does he say, give a calling to fear the Lord, but he also gives a calling to serve the Lord. He says, Fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth. This word serve means to work or to do. To serve God is very simple. In in, in a simple understanding, it means to obey His word. To walk in obedience of what God is speaking. And we have His word from Genesis to Revelation. Now Joshua was calling the nation of Israel to follow the word, but at this moment in time, they didn't have the full Genesis to Revelation. But what they did have was the law. What they did have was the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And see, if we truly fear the Lord and have a rightful view of who He is and His holiness, then we'll trust His word and it will lead to action. Our action shows whether we truly believe that God is who He says He is. Our action to His holy word, serving Him in sincerity and truth, will truly show if you believe that He is who He says He is. We spoke of that last week. And look again at the order here. Joshua says, fear the Lord and serve him. Remember, fear the Lord. That's the being, right? We recognize who we are in Christ, who he is. He's holy. uh, We are sinful in need of a savior. Praise God that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. When we recognize his holiness, we see that the only way that we can stand in his holiness, the only way that we can be reconciled back to God is through a perfect sacrifice, which is Jesus. Fearing the Lord is that being in Christ Jesus. And then serving the Lord is that the the doing, the works. Remember, the being must always come before the doing. If you put the doing before the being, 
you'll find yourself in legalism. You'll find yourself, as it says in the scripture, many will say, I did all these things. And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. (coughs) Church, we have the entirety of God's word. If we truly fear him, if we truly believe that he is who he says he is, if we have reverence and honor and, and see him as holy, then we will honor and walk in obedience of his word. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 8, 31 and 32. So Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed, if you continue in my word, or you can say it this way, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. Look closely though at this call. Joshua doesn't just say, serve the Lord, but he says, serve the Lord in sincerity and truth. See, we're not called to serve the Lord simply out of obligation. We're called to serve the Lord out of our love for him. And our love for him comes because we recognize that he what? First loved us. This isn't a have to, it's a want to. It's a desire that's birthed inside of us by the Holy Spirit at the point of salvation. See, God knows our heart and he truly knows the motives of your heart. If there's one thing that I have preached over and over in the last three and a half years as your senior pastor, it has been to remove the idea of legalism out of our mind and out of our heart and recognize we can't do it, but the Holy Spirit will in and through you. Church, how do we serve God in sincerity and truth? We get out of the way. We abide, we dwell, we delight in God and let the Holy Spirit do it in and through us. I've said over and over, we got to quit trying and start abiding. We got to quit trying and start abiding. You want to see your life change? Abide in Christ. We'll talk more about abiding in a minute as I speak every day. Not only does he say that we're called to fear the Lord, we're called to serve the Lord, but he also says we're called to remove all other gods. He says, and put away the gods which your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. The nation of Israel had seen many different little g gods. They encountered them in Egypt and now they've encountered them with some of the people from the promised land. Listen, these little g gods, and I say little g because I want you to know there's only one that's capitalized. That's Yahweh. These little g gods came with false hopes and false promises. They appealed to the emotions of the people. And Joshua is telling them, you cannot serve God, Yahweh, and other little G gods. Your heart will be divided. Yahweh will not have your whole heart if you serve other gods as well. In the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, this is what is said in verse 3 through 6. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers of, of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Joshua saying, fear the Lord, serve the Lord, 
and put away all other gods. Get rid of all other gods. Don't say, well, just in case, you know what, I'm going to take some of these idols and put them in my closet. Who knows, I may need them one day. Church, if you place little g gods in your closet, you're telling the Lord that you don't truly trust him, that you need a backup plan. I love what Elijah said to the prophets in 1 Kings 18.21 on Mount Carmel. How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, follow him. I think that it's the same thing. Church, and I say this as in a message to all believers, not just simply, I'm not saying this as if we have a problem here at Luke 4.18. I'm just saying this to all believers. We must choose whether you're going to follow God or follow other little g-gods. How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. You know, removing idols in our life looks a little bit different than in Joshua's day. Because in Joshua's day, they, you could actually see, you could think through, you could look at the idols that were being worshipped. But for us, they look a little bit different, so it makes it a little bit harder for us to remove idols in our life. But an idol is anything that you place before God in your life. Let me just say it again. An idol is anything that you place before God in your life. It could be money, material things, popularity, praise of people, knowledge. There's so many things that you can put before God in your life. And some of these are good things that God has given you, but we must put them in the right order in our life. If you go back to that list I just shared, money. If we think that our money is our security, then you have placed money before God. Because I can tell you, he can take it all away just like that. Or the stock market can fall just like that. And church, if you think that material things is what gives you security and gives you happiness and all this stuff, I'm telling you that once you buy that new car in, in like three years, it ain't new anymore. I love the sign that says, everybody drives a used car. Think about it. You're like, I drive a new car. No, you don't. Once you drove that off the lot, it's so material things, they're rusting, they're, they just never stay the same. They're, they're going to fall to the wayside. Church, we must not put anything before God in our life. Can I tell you, that can even be relationships. Church, we must make sure that there is nothing that takes the priority in our life. I tell people all the time, here's my priorities. Now, I try... I, I, when I'm abiding, they're in order. God first. A distant second to God is my wife. A distant third to my wife is my children. And then my family. And then the church body. And church, that's the priorities that I put in my life. Some people say, I can't believe that you separate between your wife and your children in there. Well, I'm here to tell you that the scripture says that I'm one with my wife. I'm called to raise my children to send them out. And church, we must recognize that if there's anything outside of that order in our life, then we are placing idols and it's time to lay those things down. You remember when uh, <clears throat> Life Action came and he gave everybody a cup and you were writing on the cup? 
Well, I saw Ryan this week at the Southern Baptist Convention, and he asked me, he said, you still writing stuff on the cup? I said, I sure am. I'm writing a lot of things on the cup, and I'm laying them down before the throne of God. Church, we must choose today whom we're going to serve. So here is, so that's the call. The call is to fear God. The call is to serve Him in sincerity and truth. The call is to lay down all the other little G gods. So here is, the second part is the choice. Joshua says this, he says, choose this day for yourself. Look, it says this in verse 15. Choose for yourself today whom you will serve. Choose for yourself today whom you will serve. The first thing we must see in this is that there's an individual choice. You choose. Choose for yourself. Nobody can make the choice for you. Every one of us will stand before the holiness of God one day. And I can't answer for my wife. I can't answer for my children. I can't answer for Luke 4.18 individually, each individual person. You will stand before the Lord. We all must choose individually if we are going to serve the Lord. And then he says this, choose for yourself when? Today. Today, there's an urgency of the matter. We don't waste another minute. You don't, have, you don't know if you have another minute or another day. You don't know what, what pains and consequences of following the false gods are going to come on you because you wait it longer and continue to serve little g-gods. Church, we must choose today. We must, as Daniel made up his mind, had a resolve in his mind that he was not going to eat of the king's food. He said, I'm going to follow the Lord. We must choose today. Psalm 95, verse 7 and 8. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Paul to the Corinthian saints, 2 Corinthians 6, 1 through 2. And working together with him, we also urge you to receive the grace of God. For you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, at the acceptable time I listened to you. And on the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Church people tell me all the time. I got plenty of time. You have no clue. And if you think you have plenty of time, you don't truly understand what the gospel is offering you. You don't truly understand What is waiting around the bend for you if you do not know Christ as Lord and Savior? So we see this individual call. We see this this, uh, urgency of the call. But then we see that the fathers are called to lead. Joshua says this, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, house we will serve the lord church when we look at this we see the leadership of a godly father fathers i believe that there is a direct call here to lead your house according to the word of god first by example first by example the worst thing that we can do is say do as i say not as i do Fathers, we are called to lead by example. 
What does that mean? We lead by getting in this word. We lead by falling on our knees in prayer. We lead by being one who is abiding and dwelling in God, in the Holy Spirit. It shows our children and our bride that we are a man who is seeking God and God alone. That we can't do this, but he can. That we don't know how to lead, but he does. We can't do it in our own power, but he will give us the strength and the wisdom to lead. But then, not only are we called to lead our house by example, but we're called to lead by making decisions for our house that help direct them to the fear of the Lord and to serve him sincerely. (coughs) Excuse me, still working on that uh, sickness from last week. But we are called as fathers to lead in a manner that, that directs our children and directs our, our wife and our family in a manner of God's holy word. Now, when I was a youth pastor, I was told many times by parents how thankful they are that I would lead their kids in the right direction of the word. And I would often say back to them, you're very welcome but you do realize that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to come alongside you in leading your family and your children. I hear people all the time tell me, David, I, uh, we got back in the church once we had children. Why? Because we wanted our children raised in the church. Well, that's awesome. And praise God that, that, that hey, you got back here, right? But let me just be very clear. Parents... You're called to lead your children in the way of the Lord. We're called to come alongside and lift your arms up like Aaron and her to, to Moses. We're called to come and help carry those burdens that you encounter. But the one who is responsible before God is the, the, the father, the parents in the this, in, in this scripture. So I told parents all the time, Listen, it's not my sole responsibility to direct your kids in the way of the Lord. It's your responsibility, particularly to the father of the household. And it's my responsibility to come alongside and encourage you and to help in this. Church, we're seeing this across our nation. Think about the lack of leadership in the home. And we even see that in the church. We were at the convention this past week and Lifeway got up and was given, uh, Lifeway is part of the Southern Baptist Convention and Lifeway was giving their report and they said that at their camps this summer they are struggling to find godly young men to lead. That At one camp they have 17 workers and I think two of them are guys. Can I tell you that I don't think that's a direct reflection just on those guys. I think it's a direct reflection on all our churches, that men, that, that we're not stepping up to lead and to lead our, our household. Now, I just want you to know, some of you may be sitting here today and say, man, I may have failed because my, my kids, they're, they're wandering today. They, they, you know, what did I do wrong? And you may have this guilt going through your mind. Let me just tell you, I, I, I know one who was a perfect, perfect parent, had two children, and both of them went astray. His name's God. Adam and Eve, both of them went astray. 
So what I want you to hear, what I want you to hear is that yes, we are called to lead and we're called to direct and we're called to speak into their life. But at the end of the day, let me go back, choose yourself today. It is each individual's choice on whether they're going to follow the Lord or not. Then we see in this last portion, verses uh, 16 on down, there's this paradox that happens. So we see the call, we see the choice, and then there's this paradox. And this paradox is, is that Joshua makes this statement. He just told them to serve the Lord. They said, we'll serve the Lord. And Joshua says, you can't do it. I'm like, man, Joshua, do you not realize what you just said? And Joshua says, you can't do it. Why? Because he's holy and he's a jealous God. But can I tell you that this is a great paradox here. I love this. Now, there's paradoxes all throughout the scripture, okay? A ton of them. But here's what I love about this. We can't, we can't serve the Lord in our own ability. We can't do it. And Joshua speaks it. He says, you can't do it. And the people say, no, we will do it. Let me go back to Isaiah 6. Remember, he saw the Lord. He fell on his knees, right? Fell on his face. Woe am I. And then what happened? Did Isaiah cleanse his own lips? No. What does it say? The seraphim flew over with a coal and touched his lips, and he was cleansed. Church Joshua is saying in this moment that without the power of the Holy Spirit, without the power of God in and through your life, if you do this in your own strength, in your own ability, you will not be able to put aside all those false gods. You will not be able to serve with sincerity and truth. So, what does that bring us back to, church? I love it. We're called to abide. John 15, verses 4 and 5. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Fathers, you may feel guilty. You're saying, I haven't led well. Well, instead of trying to lead, you need to abide in this word and God will lead in and through you. Parents, husband, wife, you say, man, I just don't know if we've been on the same page with raising our kids. Abide individually. Husband, abide in Christ. Wife, abide in Christ. Abide in his word and you know what's going to happen? You're going to begin to walk in accordance to his word, directing your kids according to this. Church, the paradox is beautiful because he's saying you can't do it in your own strength. I'm here to tell you, take the burden off. You can't do it, but you're called to abide. And when you abide in the Holy Spirit, you will bear fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. I miss one. I always do. Gentleness. Is that what I missed? Church. We must recognize the call, we must recognize the choice, and we must recognize the paradox. But then there's one more piece to this puzzle here, and that is that Joshua then gives them a reminder. Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and he took a large stone and he set it up there under the oak. 
that was by the sanctuary of the Lord, Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be for a witness against you, for it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us. Thus it shall be for a witness against you, so that you do not deny your God. He says, hey, we're going to place this stone. And every time you pass by that stone, you're going to say, I remember making a commitment to the Lord. Every time I walk past that stone, I'm going to be reminded that I'm called to serve God. I'm called to fear the Lord. I'm called to serve God with sincerity and truth. And I'm called to lay down all of these false gods. You know, God God knows that we're prone to wonder. The psalmist said, or the, the hymn writer said, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Only you can seal it, because if I try to seal it, I'm going to be running all over the place. Those false little G-gods are going to be coming back saying, hey, hey, I know you made that choice, but this is fun over here. I can bring you more joy and happiness. Maybe I should say happiness, because they can't bring joy, but they'll lie to you. Romans 12, 1. We're called to be a what? A living sacrifice. And that living sacrifice can get up off the altar. Which is why Joshua, through the inspiration of God, said, I'm going to put a reminder stone here. And when you pass by it, you're going to remember the commitment that you made. Church, this is not the first time Joshua has done this. God commanded him after they crossed the Jordan River to get 12 stones and put them there so that when the people walked by, they would say, what are these stones here for? This is a place where God moved in power so that they would be reminded of who God is. Now he's saying, I'm putting the stone here to remind you of the commitment that you made to God and you can't keep it in your own power. You must abide. You must dwell and delight. And so what does this mean for us, church? I'm not going to put a big stone down here. But I can tell you that we are called to have accountability. We are called to have people in our life, especially us men who are leading our family. We're called to have men in our life who, are, who have the ability to speak into our life. To say to us, hey, um, I, I, just, I want to come in and just give you caution here because I just don't know if this is the right direction. Or where I can call and say, hey, listen, I, here's, here's what we're dealing with. Here's what we're walking with. I remember uh, Leslie and I, as, as husband and wife, going to a couple's house and sitting down with them and saying, hey, listen, here's a decision we're trying to make. And we just don't know what, what exactly the Lord is telling us in this. Will y'all give us counsel because you've been here, you've walked through this. Church, do we have people in our life for accountability? That's why community groups and life groups are so important here. It's hard to have accountability with 400 people. But it's not hard to have accountability when you have 8 to 10, 15 relationships that are being, that are growing and you're meeting with continually. Do you have reminder stones in your life? Do you give permission for people to speak into your life? Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. Listen, I've given our deacons, I've given our, our, the leaders of our church free reign to speak into my life. 
Even, even when they're calling me to share, hey David, you know, last week, I know you, you were meaning to say this, but you actually said this. Because that helps me to grow. Church, if we're going to follow through with the call, we must abide. And part of abiding is to have people in our life to keep us accountable. The scripture says to confess your sins one to another. The scripture says to encourage one another. The scripture speaks over and over of the importance of being in community together. So as we close, Joshua has challenged the nation of Israel and I challenge you as the body of Christ today. Will you fear the Lord? Will you serve him in sincerity and truth? Will you ask the Lord to search your heart for any idols that you have placed before God? Men, will you lead your family and children by example? And will you lead them by making decisions according to his word? Are you relying on the Holy Spirit for the strength to live out God's word? And last, are you letting people come alongside and walk with you in this journey? I just want to close and just say, yes, Joshua placed a stone. But if you don't have a brother in Christ, men, if you don't have a sister in Christ, ladies, that's walking alongside of you, I'm telling you, you're in a dangerous, dangerous place. Because the enemy wants us to be on an island by ourselves and think that we're the only ones that are dealing with this or with that. And so the enemy tries to keep us on that island so that we don't get the help that we need through the community of brothers and sisters in Christ. So I pray that you would fear the Lord, serve him, and remove the idols, but today that you would also have people in your life to walk alongside. That's the reason why, as I shared last week, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a sabbatical in July. It, it still scares me to be gone. It's just hard. It's a pride thing. I'm working on it. I'm laying it down before the, the Lord. I know it's going to be fine. Everything's going to be great because it's not me, it's God. But in the month of July, the reason that I'm encouraging people to meet together on Wednesday nights in host homes is to have that opportunity to build relationships with those that may sit over here and over here or over there and over here so that we can build accountability, relationships, and friendships. I pray that today that you will hear the word of the Lord for the people of God, and that we would walk in obedience of what God is calling us to do.